right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of Hip Hot Heads. I am No Sage. Novak is the co-host as always. We're back. And um we brought a special guest. My uh guy from way, way, way back from the nineties hip hop. Man, like no name, like I honestly feel like you're the one who got me into to hip hop like um wholeheartedly, you know what I'm saying? Like we both, you know, graduated, what was it, like ninety seven, right? Ninety seven, yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? And um you're the first one to put me on an actual mixtape, an actual tape, and we were like, you know, recording <laughs> demos yeah. for fun. And I just remember like the first time I ever spit a freestyle rhyme over a mixtape, it was, it was in your mom's basement. So, I mean, I got to give you like much flowers for that, but not only just introducing me to the hip hop culture in a lot of ways, I felt like you were always, you always kept, kept your pulse on, you know, what was hip hop and what it meant to you. I, I pulled something out. I was trying to pull out that tape. I couldn't find it, but I'm not sure. Was this, was this one of the CDs that you gave me? I did, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, uh, so, bro, like... You like, still have it. <laughs> dude, I got, I got a lot of these CDs, but when I found this one, like, with the quicks just a moment ago, I know y'all can't see it on the podcast, but basically, every time No Name writes, it's like a graffiti artist is writing. <laughs> I just remember, like, some people say, like, you know, like, you dress hip-hop or you talk hip-hop. is like, No Name was always, like, writing hip-hop, like... Every time you're writing your rhymes down, I don't even know if you turned in your like high school like term papers like this, bro. I was like, man, <laughs> guy, my name is just oozing hip hop left and right. A lot, a lot of, a lot of um, people used to ask me if I, if I, you know, like, man, are you a writer? Like, hey. <laughs> I used to always like, I don't know if it was on, it was purposely or it was just like, you know, just, um, I used to always like try to emulate you know, like graph writers right. whenever I wrote. So yeah, it just came natural. So <laughs> no, I love that. And I just love that um, you know, every part of you was like embracing the hip hop culture and um, you know, even to the way you spelled no name when you know you were you were DJing with your with your vinyl <laughs> collections and whatnot, you know, DJ no name and A I M like it just it just gives me um positive vibes whenever I think about it. So yeah, man, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Happy I appreciate you. appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't want to like wax poetic too much because like just having you is just an honor. But like the last episode we had my cousin Fresh, who you remember and you know from way back in the days too. And the last yeah, episode yeah. he was talking about how I sort of passed the hip hop culture down to him with my mixtapes, right? When I was sort of like blending tapes and giving in him um, my slice of hip hop at that time, what, what I was vibing on. And like, as much as he was kind of like telling me how much he respected me passing the culture down to him, I was like thinking, man, I was thinking about No Name. I'm like, man, like No Name was the guy who did it for me because I wasn't blending. I was literally just having like two tape cassette decks and trying to like <laughs> stop and pause and adding in another song like like no name was like giving me blends of like this cd and like mad tapes and like other like cds that i i still have you know to this day so man just like you know just 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 mad mad shout out to you bro 
Oh, thank awesome. you. I appreciate that, though. So this is your sensei. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So um, I know you both are going to go vinyl crazy and vinyl. Um, you're going to geek out on the vinyls. But I, I think um, before we dive into that part of the hip-hop culture, I, I definitely wanted to kind of touch on, um, you know, De La Soul, obviously the the passing of um, True Goy the Dove, like just wanted to kind of like bring that up as far as like a topic for us to kind of chop it up about. Um, I think no, you, you kind of had some, some um, things you wanted to bring up as far as like, like maybe some of their underrated songs or, you know, something along those lines. Oh, you want to start with that? Yeah, we, we can, we can jump right in. I mean, obviously there's like no, so sure. much to talk about, yeah. with Soul, but um, I definitely wanted to, um, to kind of like, you know, hone in on, on some of the things that you thought that that was definitely underrated because, you know, they got, they got a lot of gems. They got a lot of things. They have the- a lot. They have a lot, you know, like it, it was hard. It was difficult to narrow it down, you know, like, but I just remember, you know, just uh, collecting vinyl, you know, hearing like a lot of white labels, uh, listening to college radio, you know, I picked up on a lot, some stuff, you know, that, I otherwise wouldn't have heard, you know, uh, shout out to 89.3 Northwestern. I remember on Sunday nights, uh, I think they had a hip hop show from like 10 to two. And that was like mm-hmm. Thursday. I think it was like 11 to two. And I, a lot of times I used to stay up for both of those shows. I remember I would come to school, bloodshot eyes, you know, <laughs> falling asleep. Like, <laughs> it was worth it, you know, from, you know, the type of the, the type of music that you would hear. You would hear a lot of like demos, unreleased, uh, unreleased tracks um, that, that you could only hear off that radio station because, you know, there was no YouTube. Um, there was no there was no Internet pretty much. So that was like the only pretty much the only place you could hear it. You know, if you if you stayed up, stayed up and. Uh, and just uh, and just listen to it like every week. Hey, correct week. me if I'm wrong. Were they even like? I don't think they were always playing clean versions neither. I think sometimes like there'd be no, no. They would play. They would play the curse versions, right? And yeah. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> explicit version, as they would say. And uh, I think some people started complaining. I remember. And then uh, they would have to add like some sort of like disclaimer. They started doing that <laughs> after a while. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 I forgot what they said. Um, uh, the lyrics do not represent Northwestern or so- something, something. They, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you know, besides the point, um, underrated tracks. Uh, first one I got on my list is uh, Stay Away. Uh, came out around like 90, like 96, 97. Uh, Pete Rock produced. Uh, I think I had the two members, I and I. Um, I got that. I think that was a white label. Um, I think they didn't label. release it officially, I believe, because I think I had like a Michael Jackson sample that they couldn't clear. Um, but it, Pete Rock, you know, like I, I wish, I kind of wish going back to that song, I wish they would have worked with him. Because I know they worked with Pete Rock on their on their last album and the Anonymous Nobody. Uh, for that track, yeah. Memory of. Memory of. Which, yeah, which I think is probably like, I think that's the best song on that album. You know? I mean, that's the Kickstarter album, Mace. That's yeah, the yeah, album. the Kickstarter, yeah. 
yeah, I think that's, that's the. I, I think that's one of my favorite ones on on that album. Just you know, just the just the vibe, just the the musically, you know, the lyrics, everything, everything was on point on that song. Yeah, stay away. Down. Yeah, have you have you heard that one? Mm-hmm. Have you heard "Stay Away"? Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I heard "Stay Away." Stay Away. It's off yeah. that Pete Rock. Uh, it's a white label. Pete Rock. I, I I tried to buy that from somebody. They were talking like forty five bucks with a white label on that, so it, it's very <laughs> pricey. <laughs> but yeah, it's nice. You got uh, you got you got uh, you got um, you got Robo on that track. Correct, correct. Yeah, Robo. The other guy, Grab Lover. Grab Lover. I and I, like I said, they uh, one album, I think, right? And then they. And that was it. That's that Pete yeah, that Rock and Friends. Yeah, that's Pete Rock and Friends, I believe, right? Is that mm-hmm. one label? That one? Yeah, it, it was nice. It just, you know, the problem, the problem with the problem with you know, like Pete Rock, you get the Tommy Boy, and you know, so much good music out there. But Tommy Boy, I felt like he had to put a cap on Daylight a little bit. They gotta force them not to make music, and you know you always see them at festivals and stuff, performing their stuff. But you're right, there's so many mysterious tracks out there with Daylight. You know, you think about, you know, we had a big gap from uh, from Three Feet High and Rising, and it went dark for a minute because the first time I saw them was on MTV, and I was like, who are these guys? That that classroom scene is what I thought high school was gonna be like. You know, when you watch, you know, you watch how everybody interact in the classroom. You know, you saw you saw Plug One, Plug Two. And play three for the first time. And you're like, I need that haircut. I need to figure out where they get the medallions from. I mean, that's the first time we saw part of the native tongues in that situation. It's, it's crazy. Like, that was like hip hop history. When we saw that video, is what really got me into hip hop, to be honest with you. No, I didn't see everything else was around, but that's all the generation. You know, like, Daylight to me was like the generation that opened me up to MTV, to be honest with you. Okay, so I got the uh, another another track is. Oh, wait, uh, hold up! No, no. Before you bring up the next one, I just yeah. wanted to quickly riff on like. Sure. I, I love that you brought up Pete Rock because you were the first one to introduce me to Pete Rock. <laughs> Even like I and I, you know, what I'm saying like all these like hip hop like flash in the pan moments where it's like you know, MCs drop one album, even drop like one or two tracks and kind of disappear, but still are kind of like highly regarded as hip hop excellence, like. I think like in a lot of ways, and I think we're going to get into this conversation in, in some ways, like Dela was like the linchpin of a lot of that mysteriousness of hip hop, but also like, like, I don't want to say like they validated what hip hop was, but I think they were kind of like the hidden gems of what everyone knew what hip hop could be. Right. So like, I felt like somebody like Pete Rock to kind of work with them was like a validation, like, yeah, Dela, you're dope. Like we definitely need to kind of like, you know, drop this and i think a lot of artists have kind of d- done that with they lie with a lot of the collaborations in general yeah you're right about that um no sage in that situation it's like it's a validation factor with them and then it's also the fact that you know they is the first conscious hip-hop group you know you know you think about that time period it was x clan it was they soul who they were conscious, but at the same time, they were conscious academia, if you think about the way they rap. Like, you know, you think about Stakes is High, right? That song's more relevant today than it was than it was when it dropped. You know, I was listening to that in the car one day, like to get all up in your ass, you gotta work it out. And I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about this like, man, it's like, I don't wanna be a grown up, but I'm hearing what Daylight's saying to me right now. They were talking about growing up. 
Like, you know, every album is, every album is like a, a period of time with them. You think about it. Like, they, you know, Three Feet Out and Rising, it's like grammar school. Then they went to high school. Then they went to college. So every yeah. album kind of evolved pretty much with them. Yeah, I totally agree. What was what was the next one you had on your on your list? No, no. Uh, I got I got a few. Um, Man, a track called "Sweet Dreams." Um, not a lot of people know it. Uh, it was a vinyl. It was from a vinyl only EP. I think it came out during the Steak Society era. Um, they kind of riffed on that uh, "Sweet Dreams." What's that <laughs> that one eighties <laughs> that one eighties group? So. Uh, I mean, that's, oh, yeah, that's the, another thing I liked mix. about Daylight. You know, I mean, they would they they would keep it playful, um, but they would have a lot a lot of times they would have like serious messages. You know, like uh, for the first album was real playful. Second album, uh, which I think is their best personally, um, they still had the playfulness in that one, but you know, they also had like the like the serious themes. You know, like drug addiction. You know, it's in there. Um, what was it? Uh, sexual, sexual abuse. You know, Millie pulled the pistol on Santa. So, it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, th- I think that's the power of daylight. You know, I mean, they can be playful, but they, they can also have like those little, like real, like real subliminal messages, those real, that real life, real life messages, you know, that, uh, that I think most groups uh, wouldn't even, wouldn't even go near at the time. That's true. Think about the second album. That's when we got Black Sheep. Oh, so yeah. think about yeah, you know uh, the B the B word song. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, uh, you know, you hear it and you're like, uh, you know, because the way you know the way Black Sheep brought it was pretty hot, and then they kind of mutated. Then you know Prince Paul was also Prince Paul's also all over yeah. that album as well. I mean, Dela De La Soul is dead. It's the best album in my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I agree. oh yeah. Hey, yeah, Novak, I want I want to double down on that too, because like, yeah, I I was listening, re-listening to all the albums this past week, and yeah, De La Soul's Dead is definitely, I feel like it's their masterpiece. I guess oh, like yeah. everyone would kind of like hunker down to any of those Prince Paul albums that you know the first three that he produced, but no name. Like going back to your second pick, man. Like I I was just like checking this track out. I I've never heard it. I only played a quick bit of it just a moment ago, and. Yeah, you're right. They are playful with like the whole you rhythmics, like you know, sweet dreams. I mean, Correct, type of things that Nas did, but Nas sort of just took the way the song was and just left it straightforward. Daylight, like you said, they kind of like put their own spin it, spin with it, and made it playful. You made me think of as I was re-listening to their whole like full length albums. There's this track <laughs> on AOI Part Two, the Bionics one. I was like having a rough time, like. Where do I know this from? The track is called Simply Heaven. And yeah, they literally yeah. stole the Beatles yeah. Christmas uh-huh. song, Simply Heaven, a, a wonderful yeah. time or whatever. A few yeah, time, yeah. Christmas <laughs> time. And I was like, it took me a hot minute. I'm like, where do I know this? But they sang it in a way that wasn't copycatting it in their own day last style. And I feel like like my mind's just being blown right now. Cause one, you're pulling all these like hip hop moments that are out of the crate literally because I have to kind of like think about them and even like play them later on after we're done with this conversation. But two, it's like, yeah, it's like daylight. like, I think they sort of are unsung heroes in a lot of ways because I think people sort of put them in like the the candy coated box of what hip hop is. But like when you dive in deep to what they really are, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of like realty. There's a lot of cruelty, but there's also like a lot of play playfulness too. 
and musicality. I mean, yeah, like like Novak, you were just saying it, like they're basically like hip hop hip hop academics in a lot of ways. I mean, one thing that I noticed too, like uh, you know, recently listening to like the first and second albums, it's like I forgot that they were uh, that they were sued by the Turtles, you know, for that you know for that first <laughs> yeah. album for uh, that little one minute skit that they did, and then you know, like listening to the first and second albums in length. If you listen to the skits, you know, like 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 the first one, Three Feet High and Rising, they always had like a beat behind, you know, like the skit. But the second album, you know, they it was either silent or like they would just have like they would just play these piano chops, you know, off of the <laughs> off of the skits. And I I didn't realize that for like the longest. I'm like, you know, it's like I I guess when you get sued, like, I don't know how, how many million dollars or five hundred thousand. You know, I guess it makes you like not sample. Like it's like it's like they cut out all the samples, you know, from those skits. And um I don't know, I don't think it affected the album. I mean, the album was the album was tight. It's still good. It's aged well too. Dale Essel's dead. What's what's your I mean off that second album, what you say is your like what's your go-to song on that second album? Right. Oh now? yeah, for sure. It's ring ring. <laughs> off, off that second album and I mean it's a great song but I also have like memories of like you know like uh, using it for my like my old tape answering machine at my family's house you know <laughs> that's what I'm talking about <laughs> Living and I actually yeah I actually I actually did it I actually like took that little the, you know the little portion of uh, hey how you doing sorry you can't get through leave your name and your number and I'll get back to you. So I actually like recorded that, you know, on that little uh, that old school like voicemail, you know, with a little cassette tape. Mm -hmm. And that, I actually kept it on there until my parents, of course, they made me remove it. But you know, just like memories like that. <laughs> your, your parents were essentially me, like I, the, the, I, the record label. I think label. my boy too did did the same thing. So we had, we had it on there for like I say probably two days before my parents say, get that off there, you know, what is that? You know, so I was like, <laughs> so stuff like that, you know, just like memories of doing that and just, you know, of course the song, the song's great too. It's real catchy. So you're, you're you know, it has the energy, it has a playfulness, you know, um, musically it's great. Um, but just like, you know, like, I think that's the power of Daylight, you know, it's like, you know, like listening to their, their music, you know, it kind of takes you back to a certain, certain place and time in your life you know i think very few few uh hip-hop or musical groups can do that so your parents like didn't clear the sample just like all <laughs> the struggles that they had to go through <laughs> along the years like yeah i mean it's kind of like it's it's kind of bittersweet to see like all the samples that they kind of got um i don't know if like attacked for is the right way to put it, but they definitely were a product of the hip hop culture, right? It's like, there's nothing wrong with kind of taking bits and pieces of what's relevant to you to kind of like make a tapestry of your own. But when art and commerce collide, yes, there's something wrong with it, right? So like most definitely, like they, they were definitely one of the biggest victims of, of sampling in, in, in the bad way. Um, I love how you said, like you listen to their sound and it takes you to a different place. Like, for me, re-listening to the, all their albums, like they, they Last Soul is Dead is, is definitely, I would say objectively is their masterpiece in my mind at the re-listen. And it's kind of dope how like 
now it's just almost trying to invoke that with the you know hip hop is dead but like for me like personally like think stakes as high as my my favorite album because that's when i like discovered them right so it's like that's when i discovered hip-hop around that era and when that album dropped that's like, probably the most out that's the album that got the most plays for me so it's like whenever i listen to that album like that definitely takes me to the the time and place where i kind of fell in love with with the culture i think i read like a it was like a source maybe a source uh, interview I think when the Stakes of Sai album came out, and I think after uh, Balloon Mind State, I, I, I think it bombed. I don't think it did well. I don't think it sold. And um, so I think they were struggling. I mean, I don't know. It was, uh, it was still on Tiny Boy, right? Was Stakes of Sai on Tiny Boy still? They were. I they, so. I were they? So. I yeah, think so. so, right? Yeah. yeah. The brief thing that I, I did read about it was that. Um, Prince Paul did send De La beats, but they felt like their headspace at that time, they wanted to do a commentary of hip hop and they felt like his beats weren't, wasn't matching like the serious tone of stakes is high. And so they, I think that's the only album that they fully produced on their own. Like, I think they had like, um, Jay Dilla, I think on one of the beats yes. but for the most part, it was De La. Yeah. And I think that was kind of, a crowning achievement in my eyes, but yeah, to your point, like commercially, no, it, it didn't do anything. Yeah. So, balloon mind state, you know, and like, and, and I think they were, I think they were getting a lot of pressure from the label and also from, I guess the state of like hip hop music at the time, you know, cause I mean, you know, when that album came out, you know, you, you had uh bad boy was ruling <laughs> love daddy. So, you know, like, I mean, hip hop was, I guess was, I want, I want to just say commercial was becoming more commercial, but mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah, the overabundance of like hip hop and R and B tracks, which, which now when you listen to it, some are like actually really good. You're like, Oh, that's not, that's not bad. But you know, at the time, you know, it's just like, you know, what's this rapper, you know, rapper and this like R and B singer, you know, it's like, why are we, why are we hearing this? Like, you know what? Like, why is this being played in the clubs? And then you know you got like really good hip hop not being played. So it's just like it's just that time period. You know when that album came out. And I think um, I think a lot of a lot of real hip hop heads, you know, could I think they they can relate to that album because I think they were feeling the same way, like the same frustration. You know, like with uh, with the music in general. Yeah, they're. they're... They were super frustrated on, on Stakes is High, I think, also because artistic hip-hop was dying at that point. Or it was on life support. So, like, you know, when artists were telling stories, like, you know, you had Native Times, you had the Jungle Brothers, you know, you had all those groups, and everybody was conscious. You know, everybody was rapping about life, right? You know, sexism, racism, they were rapping about things that mattered to them. Then Puffy came out and put a jogging suit on, and everybody's like, oh, I want to be happy and be shiny and jump up and down. If you think about Stakes is High, I agree with you on that one, no say, because I love that album because also because most stuff got introduced to us. Mm. We got Common, Common, who already knew about Common. He was Common Sense back then. We knew who he was, but he appeared on that album, basically. Then you had you had Jane, you had you know, Zane also was around. So there was a lot, there was a lot going on with that album, basically. I think that um, it was serious because that's the first album you had Dave actually singing and everything else on that album. So, you know, he was, you know, he's very, you know, you know Dave was very good at like telling the story. And I think that, you know, Dayla, 
that album, I think that album is important today because, like you know, we said before, it's more relevant today because it was ahead of its time. It's like people people wanted to just dance and be happy at that point in time. They all of a sudden, if we don't make a good album, this might be the end of our career. That's how that's why I felt stakes are high at that point because they had so much pressure to make Tommy Boy happy, made Tommy Boy more money. But Tommy Boy was looking for like you know I think who else was on Tommy Boy at that time I think ninety by nature uh, House up. House of Pain House of Pain and House up. of Pain had a hit you know they had a hit jump around you know so uh-huh. I think that went platinum super platinum so, yeah they they, so, they were filming it at that time and then Jay Dilla you know you know he did that opening track and he did a couple other things on there so it kind of segued into like where we went with most of. Remember, leaders of the new schools around mm-hmm. during that time period. Yeah. So there was a lot of good hip hop. It's just that, you know, it went from people rapping at parties to people being the party. That's what happened pretty much. Yeah, and no, I definitely want to get back to No Names list because uh, I know he's got some hidden gems. I just briefly wanted to say, Novak, because you brought up Dave. And I know, you know, we definitely want to pay homage to, you know, mm-hmm. his legacy. Like, I, I think it's unfair to always paint this picture, but my brain always goes there, right? But I think about the two MCs that usually are paired up together and that the chemistry that works, right? So it's like the whole like Jordan Pippen like dynamic, right? So I don't have to go through the list, but obviously like Tribe, you got Fife, who's the lyricist and you got, you know, Q-Tip who's a musician, right? And then it goes all the way down to like Outkast and to EPMD. And re-listening to all these albums, like I I didn't think about it until the It's So Easy track that like Dave was basically a musician and then Pasta News like basically saying, you know, every every word I say should be a hip hop quotable. Like he's definitely the lyricist, but (laughs) they're both so musical that it's kind of always hard to kind of, make that distinction because they 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 both even though they're playing in those lanes that i kind of painted un- unfairly they still always love to kind of like collab and like do what's best for the track and in, in, in all these like, cases i feel like uh, you're right you're right i mean they, they play off each other very well it's that you know it's the it's, it's the whole andre and um whole andre and big boy like relationship before that those guys their chemistry is impeccable i mean you know, you got, you know, you got plug three in the background just watching as these two guys just going at it pretty much. But yeah, you know, we found out that Dave was the creative one and, you know, and Boss Prosser's the Prosser's the MC, you know. But the thing is, they played off of that. Sometimes like Good Cop, Bad Cop, they used to swap roles on some of those albums. Yeah, yeah, 100% too. And it is funny that most stuff was introduced on the Stakes is High album because obviously, you know, him and Talib have a, have a definitely similar dynamic as well so i I just always find fascinating how like you know the hip-hop duos kind of like um play off each other in in, in a lot of aspects so yeah no name what what else did you have for us um oh yeah yeah i got your hidden gems hidden gems uh uh this was uh from a i think a vinyl only release it was called clear lake auditorium uh, I believe, yeah, I believe this came out like 90, 90, 94, maybe 95. It's a little rough guess. It's called Shocking Female MCs with Fife. Very underrated cut. Um, it shows like the battling side of Dela, which, you know, during that period was non-existent. So a lot of, 
I think uh, I, th I think they're underrated in terms of like uh, like like lyricists because I, I think they could battle like with the best of them, you know. But I think uh, due due to label politics or you know like what the general public wanted, you know, I don't think they had an opportunity to show that side a lot. You know, like for the most part. I mean, they did, you know, on certain albums like Stakes is High. Um, but not too many, not too many. I mean, what, what would you say? Maybe on uh, on the Red Man cut? Off, uh, off AOI? Mm-hmm. Where they, where, you know, where they, where they show like the lyricism a little bit more? I think for the most part they don't they don't get a chance. I mean maybe they don't get the opportunity to show it as much as I like. You know, um to kind of go back on um I definitely agree on the Red Man track AOI yeah. one, but um even the third album, um Balloon is is uh, the ego tripping uh -huh. track off of that joint? Yeah, 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 that's on there. So it's like you you definitely felt their artistry and you definitely felt them um they they can own like battle rap, but I think like again like listening to their whole chronology, I felt like they're almost above it too. Where it's like they don't they don't necessarily have to pigeonhole themselves in one lane. It's like sometimes even in the track they kind of like evolve in one song as you as you're listening to it. So that it's kind of like, I mean, it, it's kind of brilliant to kind of like almost you know re-listen to a lot of these tracks and and kind of like you know come to terms of what what they were like. I think again, like when I'm not re-listening to them, I almost unfairly paint them into like the Jurassic Five type of like sound, right? And I'm not, it's no shade the Jurassic Five, right, right. but then sometimes when I just, at first listen, I'm thinking about all this playful hip hop and like, you know, hey, you say two bars and you say two bars and hey, let's all like hug and hold hands. But it's like, when you listen, when you listen to what they last saying, it's like, man, how, how could I kind of like, like not even catch all these like pearls of wisdom they were kind of like throwing. Because we were so, we were so worried about, you know, how they presented everything. You, you know, you go back years later and listen to it, like the track with uh, Guru, that's off, that's off uh, Balloon. You know, that track, Patty, it's, it's like, you know, and Guru is, you know, Guru made them level up. So what happens is when they got on Red Man or Ooh, Red Man started it and they finished it. So it's like, they felt this energy. I think sometimes with you know with Daylight that they're underrated because when you they're you know their title tracks are, are solid, but you put a really good guest star on there, they just kill it. Cause they yeah. see that star and they go up to that next level and they start spitting, man. They did they did the same thing on um, you know, when you think about you know, you think about the track, uh the opening track Break of Dawn. So they did two samples. They sampled Smokey and Michael on that track. That's yeah, a hard. Yeah. That's a hard clearance to get to get you no know, get approved over there. But they were on fire because they got inspired by an artist that they sample on that one. It, it's pretty. It's pretty stellar. You listen to it today, and you're like, wow! I didn't realize how much how much how much music you know like royalty was on that particular track. You know, it's incredible. When you think about. It. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's definitely one of my favorite cuts, and I think uh, I think that song actually saved the album for me. You know, <laughs> I mean, the album's solid. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think they, I think they kind of, I think they're a lot, they're repeating themselves a lot, you know? I mean, I don't know if, I don't know what was going on. I mean, something was going on because like no skits, you know, uh, 
no really deep themes, you know, like 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 the previous album, like De La Soul Dead, how they covered some serious messages, serious topics. Mm-hmm. Um, I was disappointed, I'll be honest, because I remember purchasing that tape at that one record store uh, near our high school. I forgot the name of it. You know what I'm talking about, Jason, on Lincoln? Lincoln Avenue and uh, Irving Park. Oh, man. There used to be a record store right there in the corner. Uh, and I remember getting that about. tape and being real disappointed at it. And Wait, was like, it like a very record? a lot, but, you know, like the album as a whole, you know, I just couldn't, <clears throat> I don't know, I couldn't get into it that much. Was it like a very, like, small, like, closet type of, like? Uh, yeah, yeah, it? it was, yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm foggy my memory is very foggy it wasn't like it was it was it was it it wasn't that i don't think it was that small but it was definitely uh you know it wasn't like huge or anything it wasn't like sound warehouse or anything but yeah you're just making me think about like those local like like dj tape stores that had like the hottest b96 Mm -hmm. like mixed tapes and it's like how can you compete you know when you got like conscious hip-hop trying to like give you some pearls of wisdom and then you got these like you know like these djs that are you know like about the party scene and you know just like churning out these like party mixtapes or what have you like um i I wanted to touch on the skits thing because i think it's hilarious um my oldest son today literally just asked me after i picked him up from school what is a skit right (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to like describe to him like well sometimes skits are like in between albums and sometimes skits are in the track and it's like i think i hate to sound like old man like you know get off my lawn type stuff but it's like (laughs) a dope daylight album definitely has skits and they definitely have a message like you said but it's almost like you almost have to listen to it the whole way through and i want i don't have to preach a a message here about like the importance of an album and like the message because like me i'm a i'm a i'm also a film fan first and it's like yeah i I understand like when an album is created like a movie like you know what what, what's involved in that but then when you have like the current era where it's not even about an album it's just about what gets most plays and what gets most you know replays or whatever like a skit wouldn't really get replayed right i mean unless somebody's actually like streaming the whole album i guess you got me thinking about skit one off of uh, De La Soul's Dead, the hamster penis. And uh, <laughs> I know the first time they said hamster penis, I was like, uh, I think my mom was in the room and I had, you know, De La Soul is Dead. I had never played it out loud. So I was listening to it in real time. And she was like, what are you listening to? What is this, you know, because we don't open up talking about the corny man and everything like that. So, the, you know, that skit one is hilarious. But you know, I didn't know what to expect. They talk about the anal wart and everything else on that on that skit. So they were having a good time. I mean, they're they're like the fathers of those skits, to be honest with you. I mean, you think yes. about the red on the influence on Red Man, the Superman Lover, and the rest of that stuff. Daylight mm-hmm. did it before everybody else. And it was hilarious because you didn't expect them to be funny, you know, because they just talked about something real serious, but then they get real silly. And then, you know, it, you know, it's like they go back and forth pretty much. They balance off their uh, insanity a little bit and their creativity. Yeah, they are definitely the kings of the skits. There's like another skit. I think it was on one of the later albums, not the newer ones, maybe. But again, I, I've been listening to my back to back, so I'm kind of blurred. But Maceo, 
said something like, I think they're all giving shout-outs. Like, Mace was like, yeah, I want to give a shout-out to uh, that dude that jumped me after the party. You know who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, the, the art of being jumped. Yes, the art yeah, of being jumped. Yeah, 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 I think that was from uh, AOI Mosaic, though. Yeah, 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 so yeah, I mean, like, just like to what Novak's saying, it's like, yeah, they, they can they can present you this, like, like plate of seriousness, but like in the same track mm -hmm. or the same minute, like flip it on its head and kind of give you that, you know, that playfulness at the same token. So it's, 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 it's I don't think it's like, like, I don't want to say like comical, you know, like Eminem style, where it's sometimes it's like, it's trying to force this like um, shock, shock value. I think it's just who they are, you know, it's, and it's, it's hard to like, it's hard to recreate an artist like that. Like, re-listening to the whole chronology like it made me think i don't know if i would have put them in the same conversation as like tribe Cow quest but artistically like yeah i think definitely because even though tribe has like albums that are masterpieces i feel like their their artistry at its best is is is, is at equal in, in my eyes i mean you can tell yeah you can tell on the albums that uh you know that they're just like you can tell they're friends and they're and you know like the one the one song they had off uh bionics that you talked about um simply having i mean that pretty much that sums up like their relationship you know like their music you know and uh not a lot of groups can do that you know a lot of a lot of groups you know it's like they get together i think with that initial friendship you know and it's just like the business takes over and you know things get strained you know like you like you like you saw with a tribe called quest you know uh that documentary showed it all the micro michael rapaport one yeah. you know like how like how things could get strained quick yeah, but this group this group they didn't really strain I think they, I think they were under attack the whole entire time they were making music that's why I felt bad for daylines that Man, if they had the creative space, let's just say that you ever see that picture when they're signing that deal with Tommy Boy and Tommy Boy's in the background staring at him like, gotcha. And the whole time you're like, what if they never signed that Tommy Boy deal? Where would they be at today on the music? Uh, you know, because they're definitely on you know, hip hop's uh, Mount Rushmore for me in terms of groups. Mm. Because, you know, what they, what they did for all these groups, you got to look at like Tribe is doing their own thing. But they had to be checking at Daylight, what Daylight was doing and perfecting what they were doing. I think, I think Daylight. Pretty much spawned a lot of these groups, leaders of the leaders of the new school. You got Tricar Quest, you got the Jungle Brothers, you got all you got all these different groups, man. Even uh Talib, you know, like you said Talib and most stuff, you think about it. Their chemistry is so much like Dave, man. <laughs> they, you know, Dave and Plug One, man. You think about their chemi their chemistry was, was was phenomenal, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell they're definitely influences because I think on on Talib's uh first album, um I think it's uh is the the first album with high tech, uh the mm -hmm. uh, reflection eternal train of thought. I think they had uh did they have Dave? Was that Pasta News or Dave on uh that I think he was featured. He was featured on that album. On that Reflection Eternal. I think that might have been Pause on, on Reflection Eternal. Pause on, yeah. Yeah. You you can see the influence because even even the way uh Talib raps on that track. It's like he's paying homage to them, and then he goes back into his flow a little bit. I mean, it's because you know high tech's always been funny. <laughs> high tech's a fun is a funny dude, man. You know, I think to leave high tech balance, they're like it's like it's like mouse sauce and hot sauce. They balance each other out 
Yeah. But you know, you know, I think I said like with Daylaw, they just I just feel like they've been under attack the whole time. Even when they did the track with MF Doom and uh, Ghostface Killer on the uh, that's on that that's on that that's on the grind date. The grind date sounds don't sound like any other album that they ever did. It's so it's so different, you know, a different form of daylight. The grind date's pretty cool, but it's a different sound compared to all the other albums out there. Yeah, the uh I didn't add this on my list though, but thinking about it, the future is probably underrated too. The the, the intro to that album. Mm-hmm. Man, the way it builds up, you know, uh Super Day West, you know, he he's always come through with a lot of a lot of good cuts for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, you look at that, you know, you look at the man, they birthed a lot of MCs, you know, they you know, you got like uh you think about Buster, you think about Knife Wonder has has had a lot to do with them. I mean, it, it's a mad lib. You know, a lot of people came through that daylight door. I mean, I just, you know, like the name is nobody, you know. That 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 one snuck out there. That's one of my favorite album covers, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> got that, I, got I was able to appreciate it more, you know. Like I think it initially came out, you know, I was a little like man, there's not enough De La Soul on it, you know, but like listening to it again, mm-hmm. I could kind of understand what they were trying to do with it. You know, I mean, they were trying to, they were trying to break boundaries, you know, try to do something different um, with it. And, and I, I think they succeeded, you know, but I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of bittersweet though. Cause I, I still think they could add a little bit more rapping on it, you know, like a little bit more Dave, a little bit more, Awesome news, you know, and mm-hmm. like I said, you know, it's it, it's going to be the their last album with the full group, you know, just coming just coming to that realization. I'm just like, but who knows? Maybe they recorded stuff, you know, before he passed. So um, I'm sure they did. Oh, so I hope it doesn't be like the track called Questlands album, which I think is still a brilliant album, but mm-hmm. that's such a sad album. I mean, that that tri- that last tribe album. You know that one that song about you know missing somebody. It felt like they they made that song in the process. Like they're grieving and they dropped the song. I mean, I think uh, I don't know what Daylight's gonna do. I mean, because you know the last track they were together, I was happy about was feel good. I love that Gorilla song, that feel good song. They were man, they were in the zone on that song, and that's the only song they ever won a Grammy on, which is crazy. The most commercial of their songs, they win a Grammy on because the Gorillas in the background. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Oh uh, yeah, I have uh, I have one last one. Uh, let's see, one last one is uh, Down Syndrome from Stakes is High. All out battle, you know, just straight, straight through. Uh, the funny thing is though, like I own, I own the U.S. version on vinyl, mm-hmm. and that and that song's not on there for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why they took it off, but I have I have a UK version of Stakes of Sign. It's on there. And I think it's on the CD version too. Yes. But you know, I don't know, I don't know what happened. Yeah, that's that's definitely underrated. Underrated song for me. Well, I can't wait till all their music is gonna be dropped next week on March 3rd, and then maybe we'll see if the stakes is high album that that's put on streaming will have, you know, the different versions of, you know, what you just said and just, you know, other tracks in general. Like I'm, I'm very curious to see how everything's going to be, you know, put on the streaming services. 
I mean, I kind of hope they eventually kind of put out like, you know, like special editions. You know, I think they will maybe down the line. You know, like extra tracks or maybe, maybe not. Like I, I would love to see Clear Lake uh, Auditorium. I, I do Auditorium show up somewhere in Basie. Now oh, that yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the white, yeah. you know, the white label on that is pretty cool. Like I remember when it came out, I was like, "What is this?" And so, but you know, it, it was pretty nice. I mean, you know, you think about, I felt like it was, I felt like they were like carrying over a little bit from it's the B side to the other album. When I looked at that track, that that on uh, that particular record, but it's nice. I I hope they do something. I hope they do something with it. You know, I just think that um, it's taken years to get on all the legal stuff with them. Correct. Yeah, and it's kind of sad that you know he, you know, Dave is not here to see it get released, and you know they fought for this for years. So it's like, man, you know, it's you know, it's kind of bittersweet. You know, it happened like, like next week you see it show up. Like you know, I didn't notice they were on streaming services for a long time because I always kept a lot of stuff on my MP3 players mm-hmm. and it was in my iTunes. So one day my iTunes broke and I had no daylight so and I was like, let me go ahead and let me go ahead and pull off of Spotify somewhere. No, that's not happening. <laughs> so, there was nothing there. What's your um? I mean, what's your what's your take on um? Like right like right now, if you, if you go if you go back to that clear that clearly got it uh, auditorium, what's your what's your take on that? I be blowing track. I be blowing. Um, that's what I was reading before. Sticks and stones. <laughs> Man, I can't. I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm drawing a blank here. Um, I know I've heard it. I haven't heard. I haven't heard it in a long time. Yeah. My take on that one is, I like the energy on that track. You know what I mean? Basically, it's like yeah. you know, you know, like you know, it's like, it's like you know, with them, basically, pretty much the thing is, it's like you know, Maceo, Maceo, man stepped up on that one and Maceo yeah, kind of yeah. in the in the background. So I look I, I get really happy over Maceo tracks, you know what I mean? Because you know I felt like he had a lot to say sometimes, but he we just in the background just smiling. I mean he's like the, he's like the dude in the background like you guys ready to go. But yeah he he showed up on that you know Maceo showed up on that track. Maceo Park is pretty nice on that one. It's pretty nice it's pretty cool. I just wish that um uh, you know if you get, you know, you get like one more track out there that they have that released or something, that, something that you might know that we that we haven't heard. That's all the daylight stuff out there. I mean, I try to find as much as I can. I mean, the search of daylight has taken me across three states so far, looking for their albums, looking for their, you know, the white yeah, label yeah. stuff. It's hard to find. Because I know that um, that album, I think it, a couple of the tracks ended up on Balloon Mind State, right? Is that correct? Like, uh, I think they had Patty Duke on there. <laughs> and they, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I think they put that. Yeah, I think they put that on the new Mind State album. So, um, it's funny because their new album, I, I think they released the EP um, before Anonymous Nobody dropped, and I think it was called like For Your Pain and Suffering, because the album kept getting pushed back. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> remember they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna release it," and then like two months came by, and then it didn't come out. So they released some like EP on. Um, uh, before that album, uh, and I think it had Trainwreck on there, um, and then it had like another track with Dave West, which was okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but from the album, I remember like you know the skit before Trainwreck was hilarious. 
I was like, <laughs> you know, with that guy like uh, mentoring, you know, the kind of the younger kid, you know, about women. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was yeah, that was funny. And then they kind of like, and then they go into like the, you know, the full song after that. But I kind of like how they brought that back, you know, that playfulness, you know, on top of speaking, you know, about speaking a message about like how you talk to women and, you know, how you deal with them. So back to the playfulness thing I wanted to bring up. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that um, Trugoy is basically yogurt backwards. It is. Yeah. <laughs> like that basically <laughs> says it all. Like the sound Trugoy sounds so epic and like regal. And like, damn, where did he get that from? Yogurt? Because he yogurt. likes yogurt. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> where's the Dove come from? I didn't really realize where, where Dove is, is kind of like, is it just Dave basically? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I ever put that together. I don't know where that came from, but you think about it, they had more nicknames. Because I remember, I remember, like, you know, I had a cousin, like, you know, that was like, yeah, hey, plug two. I'm like, which one is that? Just when they first came out, I'm like, <laughs> oh, there's two. There's two. So then they had, you know, it was a lot of nicknames in that group. And then, you know, then you go into other groups, like other collaborations, like the Native Tongues and everything like that. And you look at, I remember the track Buddy. You know, that track Buddy oh, was yeah, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. No, no, I think Jungle Brothers and Q-Tip. Mm-hmm. They killed that track. That track is awesomely underrated. I mean, Buddy Buddy, pretty much is modern-day tender. If <laughs> you think about it, you know, they were, they had the whole dating persona going on. You know, everybody had a lady and stuff like that. Like, where did this come from? You know, because... You know, uh, me, myself, and I is such the anti-social song. Like, all I care about is me, myself, and I, and everybody else can go away. That that track to me was like the ultimate independence track, you know, you think about it in terms of being an individual. I mean, even though they're a group, but we're still talking about just me by myself at this time. I mean, it's pretty cool. Years later, my kid sings that song today, and I'm like, go away. Please stop. Leave my childhood alone. <laughs> so- <laughs> Yeah, that but buddy is definitely an unquestionable classic for them. I think there was like a couple of versions too, right? Because like the there was, yeah, yeah, you're right. Jungle Brothers, like I don't know if which one was on the album because I've heard different ones at different times. I think I heard like a remix with like Drez from Black Sheep. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Like I think yeah, I think there was like a it was like a it was like a uncut version with like another MC or two. And I think it was long. I mean, I think the track is like five minutes already. Yep. So I think they have to trim it. <laughs> <laughs> so no name. Like I, I, I love all the, um, the uh, underrated tracks you brought up. Um, there, there was another thing I wanted to talk to you about, which um, I think you were saying there was a time you saw Daylight perform live. Um, before you talk about your experience, there's one quick one that I remember, and I want to say it was like during commons hip-hop festival that he tried to make happen and i think it was only around for like two or three years and it, it kind of hasn't come back but um Dela was there and i remember dave kind of almost stopping a show and being angry that one fan was like recording him the whole time right and this wasn't too long ago um so obviously in in, in the current era of like you know you need to kind of like have your fans record the experience and reshare it and be relevant. It just makes me think of like the playful slash seriousness of De La and that, you know, Novak basically telling us that, you know, like 
De La always felt like under attacked a lot of ways. And I, I, I definitely believe it. Like I definitely saw it in that performance. Cause once he kind of like had the fan put down their recording device and carried on with the show, then Dave was able to get back into it. But it was kind of just, it was just a weird moment that that was the only time I've seen them perform live. And, you know, that kind of happened in front of me, but yeah, they're always showmen too. Like when I, when they perform live, I would feel like. I, I think, you know, I get the vibe that, you know, I mean, from the anonymous nobody, I mean, you remember the cover, right? Like it's a guy on stage and then there's a big crowd in the audience and then they're throwing stuff at him, you know, like, and then of course, like the first album, when the first album came out, you know, like I heard it, but you know, like I didn't, I didn't realize how great it was until, until like maybe a couple of years later. Um, but I think when they came out, I think, I think they were accused of being too soft, you know, like their style, the way they dressed. And I think, uh, I think that could weigh on you, you know, in general. And I think you see it in like their performances. So yeah, I guess, you know, like, like, like what you were saying, you know, so I guess, you know, that's a. I sense like a little frustration, you know, for, yeah, I mean, they're different, but, you know, like being different can lead to like a lot of backlash. So I think they, they, they might've had that through the years, you know, I'm just speculating, but that's kind of yeah, what yeah, I see. Yeah. And I don't want to like paint the whole picture. Like that's their whole legacy, but I think the context was like, they were definitely on some, like, you know, get your hands up, feel what I'm feeling, call and response. And then there was just like this one fan, almost just stationary, like, I'm recording you and I'm front row. Like, obviously y'all know, like when you're at a hip hop show and you're front row, like you're probably standing there for hours and like, you're ready to just like, you know, get in the mosh pit and let's go. And like, they're just like this one fan, just like, you know, just stone cold, like not even into the vibe. Right. And it's like, I feel like yeah. you're part of the hip hop, like performance culture where it's like, yeah, like you have to kind of like get ready to turn up even when you're in, you know, the, the fan seat. I mean, I think they're also old school as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, they grew up in the era where, you know, people actually watched the show, you know? Like, when, when I saw them live, I think this was, uh, this was around maybe 2000, 99, 2000, at the House of Blues when they came out with uh, Artificial Intelligence, uh, Mosaic Thump. Um, people didn't have cell phones up. I mean, you know, I, I was in the front row watching it, and... Uh, I was waiting for common to come on, you know, to do the business and it didn't happen. But, you know, that's like, <laughs> that's one thing I was looking forward to for that show. But, you know, they did, they did all the hits, you know, they did uh, stakes aside, you know, uh, the business without common buddy, buddy, their versus. Um, but one thing I remember though, you know, since you were, you were talking about that experience, you know, with the audience member, I remember there, there was a girl maybe like right beside me. And then I forgot what track they were playing, but I, apparently it has singing on it. So uh News is like, he, he sees his girl, you know, so he just kind of like, you know, she kind of looks like Erica Badu. She kind of had an Erica Badu style. So I, I guess he saw her and he was thinking, okay, maybe she could sing just as good as her. So he kind of, he kind of squats down and kind of puts the mic. You know, he actually hands the mic to her and she takes it. And then and then she just kind of like gives him this blank stare. Like, what do I do? And he's like, 
Sí. She and Sing. And then he like gives her this dirty look. Oh man, it was like this really dirty look. And they just took the mic and he just like walked away. But you know, it just shows you, I guess, like, you know, the the, the serious the seriousness that they that they put into their craft. I mean, yes, they're playful, you know, and then, and then you know that's what they that's what they show in their music. But you know, there's there's also a level of seriousness, you know, for their craft that you have to respect. When hip hop, art, and schizophrenia meet, that is definitely <laughs> de la in a nutshell. I mean, even like Pasanus, like again, it sounds so like epic and regal too. But like when you flip it, what is sound sop? I still don't know what that is either. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> Are we even supposed to know what it means? Are we even supposed to like care? <laughs> We might find out that his name ain't even Dave. We might find that out one day. I think they're it's like they're like a parody on hip hop almost. You think about it. It's like even uh when they sampled uh yeah, you know that's knee deep from um uh, from uh George Clinton uh on P Funk on um uh, on me and myself, yeah. uh, me and myself yeah. and I. And uh, you hear it basically, you know, they, they interviewed George Clinton a few years ago. He said I made the most money off of them. He said I made a hundred thousand dollars off of them. And thank you, Daylight. Nobody else I made any money off, but Daylight paid me. So Daylight basically said, Yeah, we took you, we sampled it. He's been that song's been sampled over hundreds of times. These that's the only group that paid him a hundred grand for it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they take it, they take it really serious, but they take the best samples I've ever seen out there. Their mm. samples are their samples are very creative. You gotta find them. It's not. It's not like when Kanye samples something, you know where it came from. <laughs> so, but these guys, you gotta really listen to it. They play a lot of the song, but but they layer it so different. Basically, it's almost kind of like what Jake with Dilla does. Dilla plays it in reverse. They play it forward and they take something out of it. They take a layer off of it and they blend it really nice. And then they make and then they put their own harmony on it, which makes which covers it up really good. Yeah, since you were, um, that's interesting what you were talking about, about Dilla, uh, JD. Um, if you listen to the, uh, I think the far side track drop, mm-hmm. I think the sample for that, if you if you listen to the original, you, you couldn't tell at all. I, I think they, I, I think that's what he did. He like, he played it backwards. And it's funny, you know, and then the, the actual <laughs> video. Mm-hmm. Is is that is them? You know, it's like a video being played backwards. So maybe that was a riff on the actual song. You know, off, off the sample, like how it was made. I mean, I didn't really realize that until like years later. I mean, pass you pass me by. Think about that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they chopped it. Basically, you think about DJ Screw, right? And you think about what they did when they slowed down and pa- no, pa- no pass me by. Basically, the original of that song is faster than that. So they slowed it down to the point it's unrecognizable. Then they sped it up. They sped it up when uh, you know when certain bass lines dropped. And Dilla, Dilla was really good at it. I think that I think Daylight was really good at it too because you find so much. They sampled a lot of people. They got a lot. Of, they got some lawsuits out there. But the lawsuits, you go to court, you really got to prove it with them basically because they they're good. At, they were really good at sampling. That musicality made up for anything you thought that it was it was like a whole new track when they got it, pretty much. It's the best way to put it with Dela. They changed it so much. I mean, Dilla was Dilla mm-hmm. was really good at it. Dela was better, I think, at it. Dilla got caught a few times. 
Daylight got caught and they paid her toll. And then and an artist gives them high fives and thank you for making me relevant again. So <laughs> that's pretty much how they work. Yeah, it was also the same real quick. Um, uh, Jay-Z, Bring It On, produced by Premier. I think I was reading like to this day that no one knows a sample except Premier because he won't give it away because he doesn't want to get sued. But no one can find that sample. And that's a brilliant song. I mean, the whole thing, you know, the whole thing is just like everything. I mean, I believe that's probably one of the, one of the, one of the best, one of my favorites, I think, of all time. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you guys agree, but that song hits hard. Uh, it's nice. It's nice. It's funny you should say that. I don't know where the hell that came from. You know, I've listened, I listened to that track hundreds of times. And, you know, with Jay, there's a, there's a fundamental connection. There, you know, some artists from the past, it could be Nina Simone. It's always somebody from that era, basically. I think, I think like, uh, you know, like, you know, you know, with the vinyl, that's the reason, I, one of the reasons I got into vinyl, because I felt these, I felt like these family lineages, like between the Beach Boys and what the Beatles are supposed to sound like, and, you know, the, the pet, you know, pet sounds is probably one of the most sampled vinyls out there in history. There's a lot of hip hop people that, that sample pet sounds from the Beach Boys. It's it's incredible how you hear it so many different ways. You know, like you think about, um, you know, like you think about the EMP, APMD samples out there. They sample people before them, and so on. I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, that's the thing that makes hip hop so fascinating right now. Is the fact that you got to be a you got to have a musical ear to understand where it came from, and you're probably singing the hook anyway because you heard it when you were a kid. Then it came back 360 on you. You got older, and you're like, I know this song from somewhere. Like most stuff, you know, uh, Miss, you know, uh, you know, Miss Fat Booty. If you ever listen to that song, as a kid, I remember the original to that because my mom used to clean the house playing it. So I had the harmony already. And so um, and one of my guys looked at me like, why do you like that song? Like, because I used to clean the house playing that, playing the original to that. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, Aretha Franklin, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So I mean, he made he made he made it hotter. I mean, it's not like what Ye did with Through the Wire. Through the Wire, we know what the hell that was within the first thirty seconds. I was like, yeah, she ain't gonna be happy about this. <laughs> so, and she hates the, she hates that song, which is the crazy thing about it. She says the worst version of her song ever, and I'm just like, wow, don't play. It. That's why you don't hear Through the Wire anymore because she basically will sue if it's played. She doesn't like you know, like the fact that he remixed it. No name since you invoked uh, DJ Premier, which yeah. is probably my all-time favorite producer as far yes. as hip hop goes. He um he was actually on a skit. I don't know how to say skit. He was on the intro of a track in Grind Date, and it basically says he's basically saying, "I'm gonna read this off real quick." Yeah, I don't care anymore about this hip hop man. I mean, how far we all pump motherfuckers go for 15 seconds of fame? <laughs> you microphone popcorn ass fools. So I mean, it's like I thought it was kind of interesting. Like obviously. Primo is a validation of hip hop in my eyes, but he didn't even produce that beat. He just jumps on there to say that and he's out. And it's like as iconic as his voice is, and he doesn't really get on the mic a lot. Like I think Maceo also has that kind of I- iconic gruff whenever he was on the mic too, you know, spitting, <laughs> spitting his comedy or just spitting whatever was on top of his mind. Um, but y'all, y'all are making me think about like who who are some of the best like producers that would oh, let De La shine. I mean, the obvious answer is Prince Paul. Oh, yeah, of course. But, I mean, do y'all got any go-tos 
And then I, I guess I also wanted to quickly mention, like, I hope we'll see an AOI three. I don't know if we ever will. I think their record label is called AOI. So maybe in their hearts, that's kind of like the part three of the, you know, the artificial intelligence, like legacy living on in some aspects, but are there any other like producers that you felt like brought out the best? Like, I also felt like the gorillas and, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, they all, they, 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 they were easy. They, they knew how to tap into the day last sound. I thought. Yeah, of course. Like what I mentioned earlier, Pete rock for sure. You know, it's like, uh, you know, like that memory of track was just like brilliant. Yeah. That was on the latest album, right? Yeah. 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 The anonymous nobody. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just like the harmonies and, you know, uh, stay away as well. You know, uh, I just kind of wish they would have worked with them more. It's kind of like, I don't know if it was maybe, maybe it was a cost factor, you know, the fact that you had to, you know, I mean, you never know. Maybe it was attempted. I know, I, I know there was a lot of, I'm sure there was a lot of artists that wanted to work with certain producers, but, you know, I mean, like how much was Premier charging, you know, back in like, <laughs> you know, in his peak, you know, like peak gangstar days, you know, was hundred thousand track or, <laughs> I mean, you never know, you know, they have labels too. And the label says, no, like, you know, cause I, I was watching, uh, Elder Sensei from Artifacts, you know, he was talking about that first album, which was classic between a rock and a hard place. And I think the label, I think it was big beat at the time they were on. Uh, they were asking like what producers they wanted to pick for the album. And then they were like, Pete Rock, Premier. And then, and then, and then the label said, no, nah, those, those guys are too expensive. <laughs> so, you know, so that's why they picked, you know, like Buckwild, you know, who, who was brilliant. I mean, that was brilliant that, that um, the beats on that album were, were just, were just sick, you know. Uh, T-Ray, I think, was on that as well. But man, they gave, they gave, them, they gave them some heat. For sure. Uh, don't don't forget about Spearhead X. I don't know if you remember him basically pretty much. You know, it's funny because the, he's out of Atlanta. So you got an Atlanta producer working on the Daylight albums, basically. He did some work for them on Grind Date and a couple other places. And like it's it's hilarious that, you know, that whole Atlanta sound basically, you know, he kind of worked, you know, he worked, you know, he kind of worked with Daylight, but you couldn't hear that. You couldn't hear that, you know, because that guy does some trap and some other stuff out there. But when he got with Daylight, he kind of changed again, or I think they might have changed the producer in the studio. I think they're really good at forcing producers to, to get inside their boat with them pretty much. You know, if you think about um, think about Pete Rock, you think about what they did with uh with Prince Paul, because they were working with Prince Paul again last year before, you know, for you know, before uh, Dave got sick. So they made new yeah. music. So I guess we, I'm curious to see how the evolution worked because, you know, when you come back to a producer years later, you think about Snoop and Dre. So Snoop went away from Dre like for years. He came back to Dre and, you know, it's like they picked up like they never were apart. You know, they never were you know, apart all those years. So I think I think whatever they did with Paul recently was going to probably drop this year post-humans at this point, which I hate at this point, but it's got, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound really good because you know, when people don't work together for each other for a long time and get back together, that energy comes back together. It's like when we go on the pod, we go on the pod and all that, you know, we want to go vinyl. I see what you got. If that excitement level comes up, I think that 
we're due for a good album right now. I just hope it's not like what Tribe did years ago, a couple of years ago after Fife passed away. Great album, but man, it's hard to listen to that stuff knowing that this artist is never going to record again. Or, or, or Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's 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 how I feel about in the Anonymous Nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that last track, you know, like I was, I was listening to that in my car on the way home. Yeah, I think it's called, uh, is it called Hereafter? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and that, that just hit me, you know, just cause I think Dave was talking about death, you know, he's talking about death and like recovery from death, you know, and, 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 uh, remembering the good times, you know, it's just like, and then now, like now he's gone, you know? So that just kind of like, I think that resonated with me really, like really deep, you know? And I think we've all like gone through like, like death in our lives, you know, and just like, I, I think that verse was probably one of his best verses of all time. I think definitely very personal, you know, it's just like, you know, it's just like, uh, yeah, it, it was great. You know, it's just unfortunate that, you know, he's not around anymore. Well, you know, I, th- I think that's probably like a, a good segue to kind of like weigh in on our, our final thoughts on, on De La, the legacy of you know dave and just just everything and did y'all have any um kind of like um any top of mind thoughts that kind of came up in our discussion or anything else that you weren't able to bring up i'll say no name you go first on this one oh just like on any like final thoughts on like like how i feel about the group or yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, quickly no name i also wanted to bring up um when we were talking about producers like i love that you brought up pete rock because you know whenever i think of the no name sound i definitely go to pete rock in a lot of aspects so he definitely um has the hip-hop sound whether it's with Dela or anybody but um i i was um talking to you about grind it i think not long ago and then for some reason, my young one, when he was listening to all the Daylight songs I was playing, he was like, like vibing with shopping bags. He was like, hey, play that song again. Play that. And then you were the one who told me like, oh, man, that's a Mad Lib beat. And I was like, wait, Mad Lib, what? And I had to look it up. Like, I think Mad Lib was only on two tracks of that album. But again, it, it kind of goes to like the whole what if scenarios. What if Daylight was able to work with like, gorillas again for a full length ep or p rock or mad lib or just whoever you know like whatever producer they were able to kind of work with again you even like were sending me photos today of like them in the studio with prince paul right like not long ago correct yeah i think it was last uh it was last like june you know they had a they had a picture with prince paul in the studio with with dress a black sheep with the gray hair (laughs) with the gray hair yeah is that the one you saw too uh yeah and uh yeah, I look forward to the new material, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, like Mad Lib, Mad Lib would have been would have been nice because it's like if I would have heard that beat before knowing Mad Lib produced produced that, I would never know that was Mad, Lib, you know, because it's just like so. It's like I guess you could say Daylaw maybe brought out the best in Mad Lib as well, you know, just working with pioneers like that, you know, and I think it it's like vice versa, you know, with P Rock as well. You know, that, you know, that beat, that memory of beat is probably the best Pete Rock beat I've heard in my years, you know, for a long time, you know, and, and, and he's, and he, he has a lot of classics. Like he got a lot of, 
Yeah, he has a lot of heat to his resume on the production side. I was I would say that you know the one thing the thing one thing to take away from this conversation is that you know you're right like when you listen to these artists like years later and you they still resonate with you. We got to do a better job giving these people their flowers while they're here. I think that's the biggest takeaway I take from you know hip hop lately is that you know even with the DMS situation, you get into um, you know yeah other artists that passed away. I mean I'm finding I'm finding joy in music in, in weird places that you know I always I always enjoyed that certain line like you know stakes is high. You know first time you listen to that track, you're like man this, these dudes got they talking about get your life together basically. You know, and like nobody's gonna give you anything. You know, when you start, you know, when they start breaking down metaphorically, what you got to do to be successful and everything. I mean, I, the stakes out of me always is to get me going track. Like if you know I'm having a bad day at work, I'm listening to that track because you can hear the passion in their voice that you got to do better, you got to stand up, you got to make it happen. And then you know you listen to something else, like I listen to that uh, that track track. You know, lost somebody the other day. And, you know, that, you know, you think about Dave, you think about all the hip hop, you know, ancestors we have right now. You think about like how powerful these people were. I mean, we had, we experienced some really good music. I mean, it's kind of sad today that influential, you know, is going to be somebody that we got to use a, a subtitles on understand what he was saying at this point. So, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to diss today's hip hop, but it's like, man, where's that passion at these days? I mean, you got to go to back to the Daylight album, the Tribe album. You got to go back to the old Buster album just to feel that energy and passion again lately. Or even um, Young Biggie. You know, you think about Biggie's energy yeah. before Puffy. I, I, I'm going to be nice about a contaminated big. <laughs> but, you know, with the, I want to make you dance there. But, you know, it's hard, man. Even coming, when coming bursts on the scene. I mean, you know, Daylight is always going to be great to me. As common as, as other artists is, I mean, just appreciate them, give them their flowers now because, you know, nobody's guaranteed tomorrow, you know, in terms, yeah. you know, in terms of what can happen next at this point. Because I remember after, uh, after Five died, you know, I mean, I was hurt over that, you know, and like, I was like, it, it was a lot of like, what ifs, you know, like, what if they, what, what if they were able to patch that up sooner, mm -hmm. you know, like all the beef with Q-Tip. And with the group in general, you know, like, 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 why, why create an album, you know, like, uh, you know, and then, and then he passes away. So it was yeah, kind of like, a little bit bitter. it was kind of like bittersweet, you know, I'm glad, yeah. I, I'm glad they came out with an album, but, you know, I kind of, I kind of wish it was under better circumstances, you know, not like, you know, when he passes away and then they come out with an album. Yeah. But, I don't even um, glad you, you brought that up. Cause you're the first one to kind of like, give me that perspective. Like I thought it was interesting. Novak was tapping into the sadness of the last tribe album. Like for me, I was just so happy that the album saw the light of day. So i kind of, it was like wish fulfillment to me, mm -hmm. but I remember that was your first reaction to no name. You're like, isn't it kind of like ironic that it happened after Fife was gone. Cause like being kind of like Q-tip and the perfection perfectionist that he is. And he's kind of like always had his kind of feud with Fife in a lot of ways. Like, would it have even happened if I was still here, right? Well, that's why I think, you know, I, th I think they kind of knew, you know, maybe they knew he was, he only had a certain amount of time. I mean, this is just all speculation, but it's like, why, why patch it up when, you know, when, when, when he's about to leave, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's cool, but 
you know it's like you know why can't why can't why can't we do this like years years later and just you know and just put our egos down but you know tying into that the reason why i brought that up was you know after after five died i was like man at least we got Dela. at least we got Dela, you know to carry the torch you know one of the last you know remaining groups um historic hip-hop groups that are still around they're active and still doing material but you know after dave died i was like man you know like you know it, you know it, it hurt for, for real i mean i was it, it hit me deep does he have anything what's left right now in terms of groups i mean you know um uh, I mean, yeah, it's not it's not a lot out there, you know. I mean, I mean, you know, you know, when DMC, you know, when D, you know, when um, you know, with the Ron DMC thing, when Jam Master J got murdered, mm. that blew up the DMC uh, dynamic. You know, when you see them perform now in shows, it's weird to see the two man front, and you know, no Jam Master J, and you're like, wow, and you know, that's a that's a big hole. I mean, I think like. Um, it says, you know, like, like you said before, you got to, you know, like, I do agree with you. When I made the album, that's kind of how I felt about the tribe. I was, I was bittersweet over that tribe album. The cover's dark. You know, the cover basically with the alien on the cover and everything like that. And, you know, that's like, that's Q-Tip playing on his, you know, Q-Tip playing on his artisticness and everything. But, you know, like, I don't think that album ever got released. If, if uh, Fife doesn't die, Q-Tip doesn't drop that album. Cause I think Fife would have fought him to say that's not my best work, or he said like, "Hey, I'm not 100% invested in that situation," and I think that's what would have probably happened. But you never know. I think I think he had to, I think you know he might have had like, "Okay, this guy's got two more weeks left. Hey guys, I got something hot. Let's wait." And then when it happened, you know, that's the, you know he's on um, SNL, dropping you know doing the title track, you know, "We the People," and I'm sitting there, I'm sitting I'm at home watching this, just like this is too soon, man. He passed. It happened real quick. You know, he was on SNL. He was performing everywhere. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, cute. You know, but, you know, I guess everybody agrees differently. Or some people don't grieve at all. I don't know. But that was a, that's a weird one. I think Dayla is going to be very quiet for a while. And then they'll appear. I don't think it's going to be like they're going to show up on SNL next week. But, you know, who knows? Stranger things have happened. Yeah, like, I, I, I definitely... And Morning Daylight too, like just playing a lot of their tracks back to back these last few weeks have been kind of my grief session. But um, I think it is bittersweet that you know their their streaming um songs will kind of see the light of day. I think they were finally freed from Tommy Boy to kind of like own their masters. So I mean, there is some like light at the end of the tunnel. This you know hip hop story of them being attacked left and right, but um. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I know we're kind of riffing on a lot of like the hip hop of yesteryear. Um, no, no, every time I bring this topic up, you're like, I don't think it's gonna happen. But P Rock and CL Smooth, is it ever gonna happen? The reunion. <laughs> Speaking of hip hop, you know, feuds that are never ending to the grave. It seems. I don't know, man. I mean, it just seems like it was funny remember when uh remember when i met you in vance you know and, and we saw we, we caught p rock and cl on their on their reunion tour up in um in chicago uh forgot the place was it Reggie's the name of the club was it i think it was somewhere downtown nearby Reggie. yeah it was south oh, it was south south side uh, was Reggie's. we missed camp low camp low was with them too as well mm -hmm. um 
also p rock produced that nice album of theirs uh mm-hmm. that uh 40 blocks from tiffany's is it 40 or 50 blocks oh no but the, <laughs> the second one the second one yeah like yeah he, he did a nice album he did yeah he came through with that one and uh and i remember uh I remember my friend was saying, "Man, we better we better see him." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Because he might break up again. You never know." And I started laughing at the time because I'm like, oh. it, "It happened." So there was definitely some, uh, yeah, there's some uh, underlying issues, you know, that I that maybe didn't get resolved. You know, I mean, maybe they went on tour and they still had issues, but they saw the uh, they saw how much it was gonna how much they were gonna get for it, so they kind of agreed, maybe. Yeah, like P-Rock doesn't let go of a grudge, man. I think, I'm not not sure if I remember this story incorrectly, but I thought last year there was some dispute between him and Nas. And I think like P-Rock just got off of social media. He's like, that's it, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was was for that track, right? The World Is Yours. Did he produce The World Is Yours? The original. Yeah. I know Q-Tip did the remix. Didn't Q-Tip do the remix of World Is Yours? He did. I mean, like, you know, um, I know he tried to, I know he, no, he tried to, like, uh, he tried to sue Nas, and Nas tried to counter sue, and all that stuff went down. I mean, it's all about writing credits in that situation. You know, it's, it's you know, it, it's never, you know, like, I mean, Illmatic, every time Illmatic is talked about being one of the greatest albums every time, it makes Pete Rock get further away from Nas. You know, he sees it like, how dare you talk about this is a great album? I, you know, I'm responsible for that track. So, I mean, you know, they've been throwing shade at each other for years. That's why I think Pete Rock holds grudges and lawsuits. He sues a lot of people, you know, over things that he feels that he contributed to and he didn't get paid just, justly for. And I think Nas doesn't care. Police is still suing Nas. He don't care. Nas, you know, he might settle, he might not settle. He's just tied up in court. He's got the money to keep the lawsuit going. Pete Rock ain't got the money to fight with Nas in court, so... Oh, he's hoping that the court of public opinion is going to make Nas feel bad about it and settle with him. I don't think Nas, Nas, Nas doesn't care enough at this point. He's doing Keen's disease like four or five and six right now, so he doesn't really care. He's and not, I heard there's a, I heard there's like a premiere and Nas project. Yes. That they're working on. Whew. I want yeah, that. The track off premiere, off that, off that premiere compilation. Awesome. That's awesome. Man, oh, that was heat. Get him away from Hit Boy. If we could just hide Hit Boy for about a year, we can get that. We can get that album done. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, whenever whenever they're done with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully it comes before King's Disease Four, whatever the hell is coming. I know. I know. We. I think we're on three on King's Disease. I lost track. Yeah, we're, on, we're on three right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Too many the, sequels, king, right? the king has died three times. So I'm just, <laughs> There's a lot of diseases going on. He's, the one he's dead COVID. He's got, no, it's TB. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of viruses. He's got some variants. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But no, I think, yeah, Pete Rock is CL Smooth. That's a, that's a bad breakup. I mean, they need each other like, you know, socks and shoes need a Pepsi and ice need each other, man. They need to get back together. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because, like, um, I think off the first Soul Survivor album, you know, uh, I think uh, I think they played a skit off uh, off the Wake Up Show. I think it was it was Sway. Anyway, he was talking about that. He said he, 
you guys stop playing. You guys are better get back together. Do you remember that skit, All Soul Survivor? Yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 the tracks they did off that. I mean, that that, that whole album was heat, but the the, uh, the two Pete Rock tracks off off Soul Survivor, the first one, were like the best ones. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're right. You know, in terms of like, you know, they need each other. But, you know, fortunately, you know, it's, it's just a shame. Like, two men can't work it out. I mean, get more heat. Like Troy, get more heat like Troy and stuff again would be nice. But, you know, man. <laughs> I mean, Reminisce is still the hardest track. Oh, man. man. Man, they were on fire on that track, yeah. man. Mecca and the Soul Brother, man. That that album, that vinyl me is one of my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of vinyl. My my kids saw it the other day and go, "What's this yeah. old car in the front?" And who are these guys <laughs> the leather coats on? I'm like, "That's Pete Rock and CL Smooth." They go, they go sit down. I know Pete Rock is. Who's the CL Smooth guy? I'm like, go to sleep. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta pull it out now because since you brought it up, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, you got the side. Oh right man, that is nice. Yeah, yeah. That's, the original, that's the original too. So I know, I know. I got lucky. I got very lucky there on that one, man. <laughs> I got lucky on that one. That uh, that was a source of argument in my house every time my kid picks it up. Which mm. one? So I know Pete Rock is. Who's the other guy? That's CL Smooth. He's not around, Daddy. I'm like, go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. dope. That's dope. Um, that's real I mean, dope. Like, I, I was thinking like. I think even P-Rock produced, what's the other urban legend, which is not a best kept secret. Like I think he produced Juicy for Biggie. And yeah, I think yes, P-Rock admitted right. that yep. he was heated at the time, but now he's kind of like past it. But I'm, I'm, I don't want to go dark here, but I'm hoping that it's not going to be a situation where like CL passes and it's like, oh, okay, let's, let's make this reunion happen. You know, like on some cute zip type stuff. <laughs> oh. Now, he wanted to kill Puff over that over Juicy. I know about that that whole situation. That's bad. He's supposed to be in, yeah, it's, mm. you know, he there, you've never seen Puffy and uh and Pete Rock in the room at the same time. Then <laughs> you've never seen it. Won't happen. I mean, I think he might take him out. <laughs> big, big was big was really connected to Pete Rock. You know, you think about Big L and everybody and that, you know, that whole like the whole group over there. A lot of dark stuff, <laughs> you know. He, I mean, yeah. Big L, Big L is still to me is one of the ones that we never saw mature. We only got two albums of Biggie. We got nine hundred Tupac albums, you know. But you know, we got, you know, not not a lot of Biggie. Mr. C is holding on to Biggie stuff, you know. How that went down, and then uh, you know, we lost uh, we lost K Slay, which that price is our own podcast. To be honest with you, you know, he he left a lot. Oh man, there's a lot to be desired on that case late relationship with artists. A lot of controversy, a lot of good stuff too. Yeah, a lot of what ifs, definitely. I mean, in terms of Big L too, because I heard he was going to sign with Rockefeller, uh, with Jay Z, um, shortly before he passed. Came yeah. out with that really, really, really good single um, off his label, Flamboyant. What was that called? Hey. Uh, Ebonics. Mm -hmm. Man, that was whew, fire. Yeah, a certain, a certain, <laughs> right. a, a certain, rock, sure. yeah, a certain rock nation artist started, rock, rock nation owner started rapping like him. 
you know, I, <laughs> oh man, I mean, you think about, you know, somebody still, somebody's whole cadence, man, incredible. I mean, yeah, he's good at it. He's good at it. I saw one recently, um, not to get off the subject, where yeah, you had Chris and Neef, you know, from uh, from Philly, the Philly style. Jay took the whole Philly style and spit it better than them. There's this one, this one Jay Jay Z uh, track out there where uh, Chris and Neef finished the words. It, that's how scary it was. It was like, yeah, that's that's the way we spit in the studio that day. He just made them stand up and rap for him. Just, you know, give me, give me your best rhymes. And he memorized them. The next week he come in and spit them. That's what people said. That's the, that's the studio legend is that Jay can memorize everything you say to him in the studio. He can take the whole style, perfect it, cadence mm. and everything, and spit it back. I mean, like, you know, it's kind of like when you keep young rappers around you. You know, you pretty much, you know, like, like you know, like Daylight and stuff like that. They got their own style. But, you know, these new rappers, man, the new, the new great rappers, you know, they could, they could take it. They, they keep younger rappers around them and stay young. It's like the whole Francis Ford Coppola, Bram Stroker thing, basically. You know, you, you know, through the season time, basically, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your style, I'm gonna spit it back out there. But you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to that thing. I mean, the whole Jay Z thing. You get into that. He's around this time period too. You know, he was Jay. He was, you know, he was. Um, this why Sophie era was going on around this time period when Daylight was dropping music. But it's you know maybe one day we do a show and we talk about all the parallels, what artists were doing, what certain artists were making classic albums, what was you know what was Pete Rock doing when this dropped, what happened when Jay dropped this album, who was who was in power at this point in time? I mean it's it's crazy you think about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of different directions you could you can take that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, man, a lot a lot of we definitely got to tease. Um, some more discussions and more podcast episodes, but um, for sure, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely want to like you know thank No Name, yeah. Thank you for joining us. We definitely got to have you back in the show. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, no. Thanks for having me. You know, I had a great yeah. time. You know, I'm definitely a, a newbie to to these podcasts, but you know, I, natural, I had a great man. time doing this one. Uh, you're a natural man at this. I mean, yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you for having, thank you for coming on. We gotta do a what if show. You got me want to do like the what if Marvel show. What if this, you know, what if this DJ collaborated with this person? Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, oh, I think man, about, that would be dope. I think about what if Amy Winehouse and, and Big L collaborated. You know, like like what Nas like what Nas did with Amy Winehouse, you know, after she passed away. <laughs> I think about this type of stuff. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, man, you know, if you know, like if, if that's a joke out there. If God made Biggie, you know, made Biggie rap like, you know, like Nas. You know, it'd been too good, and that's not fair. So he had to he had to give him some type of flaw at this point. <laughs> I mean, you were talking about you said uh, you said Premier did a skit right uh, for Dela. Yep. Um, for one of the albums. Yep. I mean, man, what if they what if they actually worked together like just one track? Man, that would be nice. I mean, if anything, this whole discussion has taught me is like the what if scenario plays in my head more so like what if these artists never met Dayla, right? So like are you Edlib is at the height of his powers right now. What if he never met Dayla at all? And you can say the same thing for a lot of artists that have kind of crossed Dayla's soul path. You know, like what if they never met? What if they kind of understood their craft? Like it was almost kind of like um I don't I don't know. It was sort of like fate, right? Because I mean like Novak when you're saying like 
a rapper like Jay-Z couldn't replicate a De La sound if he could or if he tried. Right. And, you know, still, even though the industry beat them up in a lot of ways, like they still couldn't take away their spirit. They still couldn't take away, you know, the essence of what De La Soul was. What if you got a Kendrick and De La Soul track? Oh, man. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you, Nobat. You wanna you wanna close us out, man. It's been it's been a pleasure. Definitely been a pleasure, man. Definitely thank you, um, no name for coming on. Big no big appreciation there. You got me you got me right now stuck in the middle of like a Marvel like hip hop moment. The whole night I'll be building teams in my head of like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. lineups, you know, collaborating. Like Marvel Ultimate Alliance, like when we get my fire team together and put them together and let them go burn the village down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's like Voltron almost. The way you put these artists together right now, but yeah, definitely want to thank you for coming on. You know, we oh, definitely yeah, thank ch- you, thank you. I, I had a great time uh, speaking with you both. You know, I enjoyed this discussion. And yeah, we got to stay a vinyl connection, man. I got it. Yeah, you got a lot of stuff in the background. I, I I definitely have some of that. There's more stuff I need to find out there. We definitely got to collaborate on the vinyl search, man. Oh Where, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's like you know, I, I learned from you, man. You know, like that 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 Raekwon stuff. I had no idea. So like like it kind of it kind of gives me some sort of like uh, you know like uh, something to look forward to because you know for a long time I'm thinking like man there's no good hip hop what happened no bad future on vinyl I did that recently but anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah I tried to listen to future on vinyl man I felt like somebody's dad I was like what is this 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 melody's kind of interesting but what is he rapping about oh drugs okay anyway let me turn this off anyway. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you, uh, No Name, for coming on the show. Definitely check us out. We're podcasts are available. We're on Spotify. We're on, we're on iTunes. We're everywhere out there. Definitely, um, everybody, go out and listen to something great. Kill a hip-hop beef if you can. If you got one of these artists that we know are fighting right now, pull them to the side and say we need more music. We got to stop. We got to stop some of this bad hip-hop. But anyway, thank you for listening to us. And everybody have a great day.